Today, Americans are casting the final votes of the 2020 presidential election. And all eyes are on the battleground states, where this race will ultimately be decided. So we checked in with our reporters throughout the day in three of those crucial battlegrounds to talk about what they saw and why those states matter. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's election day, Tuesday, November 3rd. Coming up, on the ground in Georgia, Texas, and Pennsylvania. This episode of The Journal is brought to you by KPMG. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference. KPMG, make the difference. One state where the race is close this year is Georgia, which isn't normally a toss-up. The last time it voted for a Democrat for president was 1992. But the latest polls show that Donald Trump and Joe Biden are neck and neck. Our colleague Cam McWhorter is in the Atlanta area. It's a place he's called home for 17 years. When I first moved here, you would see cars and they would have these red bumper stickers on them. And then there'd be a little blue dot in the middle. And I I remember thinking, what the hell is that? (laughs) What does that mean? Uh, Is that a flag that I don't know about or something? But that meant that you lived in a democratic city in a sea of red. Over the years, Atlanta's little blue dot has ballooned. Atlanta is swallowing Georgia. There were people moving here from northern states for jobs. We have a booming economy down here. And so as they move, they bring their politics with them. On Tuesday morning, Cam got in the car to go for a drive to see how the growing blue dot of Atlanta might help tip the scales in 2020. It's about 8 o'clock on Tuesday morning, and I'm heading out to talk to voters. The poll's been open for about an hour in Georgia. One of his first stops was a polling station in southwest Atlanta. Um, so here I am uh, outside of Cascade Elementary School in southwest Atlanta. And uh, it's a beautiful, crisp fall day. There's no line here. And people are in and out very quickly. He met a voter there named Karen Thompson, who works as a sales manager. She told Cam that she voted for Joe Biden. And did you go down the ticket, Democrat? I did. Okay. I'm new to Georgia, so some of the... Where are you from? Uh, Chicago. Oh, I came from... I grew up in Chicago. Okay. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Karen is one of those northern transplants who could turn Georgia blue. But as he drove further away from Atlanta, the landscape changed. I drove out to the west of Atlanta to Paulding County, to a rural, very rural part of Paulding County, which is uh, overwhelmingly conservative and uh, white. What did you notice as you drove? Uh, the signs are different. I'll tell you that. In Atlanta, you cannot see a Trump sign. I saw Biden, Harris signs everywhere. 
Then there was a period where I didn't see any signs at all. I guess that's like a, a no man's land. And then as I drove out into the country, all the signs are now where I am right now as we're speaking is all Trump Pence signs. You talked about that blue dot getting bigger in the sea of red. As you drove, how far did that blue dot seem to go? It's a giant amoeba that's just spreading in every direction. You know, I've covered a lot of these elections and to see carry signs or Hillary Clinton signs, you would not have seen them in the suburbs as prevalent as they are now. I mean, there definitely is a spread. But beyond the close suburbs of Atlanta in Paulding County, Cam found that the support for Trump was still strong. He talked to someone campaigning for Trump on the side of the road, not far from the polling station. I spoke to the pastor of this Baptist church that are they're out cheering on the side of the road waving Trump flags. And lots of people are driving by, beeping in support. There's a division in our country. There's those that believe America's bad and those that believe America's good. The pastor, a man named Larry Weaver, was wearing a sweatshirt that said, Trump 2020, make liberals cry again. Cam asked him how he felt about the prospect of Georgia turning blue. But I hope we wake up in time. I am nervous, obviously, today. Um, That's one thing I can say uh, everyone I've spoken to today, whether no matter who they support, everyone's pretty anxious. Yes, Um, and and understandably so. uh, But even here in Paulding County, Cam did find a Biden supporter, a respiratory therapist named Jacqueline Smith. Has it been tense for you or how's it been? No, it has not been tense. Thank God. I live in a community where I walk out my door and all I see is Trump, but there has been (laughs) (laughs) no intimidation whatsoever. Is she an example of that blue dot getting bigger? Yeah, she is a clear example of people moving out to jobs, you know, as the suburbs spread. So there, people have to be, those Democrats or liberal-leaning people, they're outposts or pioneers in a movement. What do you feel about today and how do you feel about the years to come? There's a lot of anxiety among the Republicans. There's a lot of excitement among the Democrats. Do you think it's real or? I think it's real. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. Um, I hope that it comes into fruition. Um, I hope Georgia is turned. Um, I just I just hope that, and after the election, that we all can just, just live together in harmony. So Democrats like Jacqueline Smith are hopeful. But it feels like we've heard this theory for a long time about demographic changes in the South. It could turn blue at some point, <laughs> you know. You're a hunter. Yeah, believe me, because I have seen that the Democrats say over and over again, this is our year. This is the year we're going to do it. And then they get hammered in the polls. Here's the thing. Even if the Republicans win the state of Georgia, they have problems ahead of them because people are still moving here and they're coming from the north and they're bringing their politics. So we're going to have more wars. It's just a demographic slugfest here. Another state that's not usually a toss-up is Texas. The last time the state voted for a Democrat for president was in 1976 when it went for Jimmy Carter. But this year, Texas and its 38 electoral votes might be back in play. Our colleague Elizabeth Findell has been covering the race there. So how did it happen that Texas may be up for grabs? 
Democrats have been talking for many years about Texas turning blue, but it's almost like the boy who cried wolf, right? You talk about Texas turning blue and it never really happens. And a lot of people are asking whether this could be the year because we are seeing so much motivation to vote in this election. Elizabeth says Democrats' hopes in Texas hinge on voter turnout. Their theory is that there are a bunch of liberal Texans who just don't vote. Texas Democrats have liked to say for a long time that Texas isn't really a Republican state, it's just a non-voting state. In many ways, it has demographics that people believe would make it more Democratic, but it has consistently had among the lowest voter turnout in the country. The last four presidential cycles, we've seen between seven and nine million people voting. In all of those years, that was less than 50% of the voting-aged population of the state. But this year has been a different story. It is day two of early voting in the state of Texas, and there are once again huge lines. In Houston, cars backed up as early as 5 a.m. at a drive through ballot drop box. Shattering voting records in Texas. Texas was one of the first states to cast more votes early in 2020 than it did in the entire 2016 election. At least 9.7 million people have voted early or already had their mail-in ballots received here. It's a significant number of people, and a lot of those are new voters, and we don't know how they're going to vote, so really anything could happen. The record turnout has given Democrats hope, and it's raised the question of just how high Texas's vote total could go by the time polls close. So this morning, Elizabeth headed out to the polls to see who was still casting their ballots. I've gone to a couple different locations this morning in Hayes County, which is south of the city of Austin. This is an interesting area because it's one of the fastest growing areas in the country. It has seen some of the highest turnout for early voting so far. But the polling locations so far this morning have been relatively quiet, which could be because so many people have already voted. So the people that you did meet at the polls... Who did they say they were supporting? It was a mix of people. I talked to some Biden supporters and some Trump supporters, but I would say I've encountered a few more Trump supporters than Biden supporters. And that tallies with what some polling before the election indicated, that there were more Democrats this year who said they were planning to vote early and more Republicans who said they were planning to vote on election day. Even if there isn't a big surge in voting today... Texans are still on pace to cast a record number of votes. How soon do you think we'll have results in Texas? I'm hoping that with the high early turnout that they could be faster because they'll have the early votes already tallied at 7 p.m. when polls close. But it, of course, depends on how close things are. Texas and Georgia are two southern states that might go blue for the first time in years. Coming up... We go north to a long-standing blue state that went red in 2016 and is central to both candidates' hopes for victory. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. 
With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Get free access to WSJ.com on November 3rd. As Election Day unfolds, get trusted facts from The Wall Street Journal. Find answers to questions like, is that a swing state? What does it change? And has he won? Don't miss your chance to get WSJ.com's Trusted Facts free on November 3rd. It's a cool, clear morning, and I'm walking up to a polling station at the corner of Sansom Street and 52nd Street in West Philadelphia. Our colleague Scott Calvert is in Pennsylvania today. The state's 20 electoral votes are crucial for both Trump and Biden, and they both know it. They've been all over the state in recent days. I chose Western Pennsylvania for my first stop as a candidate, and now for my last stop before Election Day, because you represent the backbone of this country. Hello, Pennsylvania. Hello, Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania race could be tight. And adding to the uncertainty are a flurry of rule changes and legal battles that could determine which votes actually count. One of those battles has to do with envelopes. So the way it works in Pennsylvania is when you mail your your ballot back or you drop it off at a drop box... It has to be in two envelopes, basically. There's an inner secrecy envelope that the ballot itself has to be in, and then that goes into the ballot that you mail or put in the the drop box. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court has ruled that any ballots that come in without that inner secrecy envelope, so-called naked ballots, won't count. And the chief election official in Philadelphia has estimated that that could invalidate somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000 ballots statewide. Oh my gosh, that's quite a lot. It's quite a lot, you know, particularly when you talk about a state that President Trump carried by only 44,000 votes. The other question hanging over the vote is whether mail-in ballots that arrive after Election Day will be counted. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that any ballot that arrives before Friday at 5 p.m. will count. But that ruling isn't set in stone. There is a great likelihood that there will be additional litigation after the election on this issue. And so state officials in Pennsylvania have told the counties to, yes, count those ballots, but then put them in a separate pile for whatever comes down the pike in terms of additional litigation. So in other words, there's still a chance that those ballots that have been counted after November 3rd may get thrown out at a later date if another court rules differently. That's correct. And when Scott went out to the polls today, he heard a lot of concern from voters about the mail-in process. One of those voters was Sharon Reese, a Biden supporter. She is a retired hospital worker. And Sharon Reese was at the polling place in West Philadelphia. She told me that she just felt much more comfortable showing up in person to vote. I just was afraid. I was afraid that my vote wouldn't get counted going through the mail. And now look at it. They're saying that it's a lot of, you know, things going on with getting the ballots where they need to be on time. So I wanted to just come in person and push that button. You know, she didn't want to leave it to chance. And it wasn't just Sharon. So Lisa Maloney is a 42-year-old mortgage banker who lives in South Philadelphia. She's a Republican who voted for President Trump in 2016 and is, is also voting for him this time around. 
And what she told me was that she felt more confident voting in person. I don't I don't I don't trust the city. I think that they're this particular city in general. I don't trust the mail-in. Whether you're talking to these pro-Biden Democratic voters out in West Philadelphia or the pro-Trump Republican voters in South Philadelphia, the one thing that everybody seemed to agree on is that they are voting in person today because they don't trust the mail-in balloting process. Adding to that mood of uncertainty is the fact that we might not know how Pennsylvania voted for a while. Secretary of State Kathy Bookvar has said that she thinks it will take until Friday for the overwhelming majority of votes to be counted. And that's even with some of the larger counties basically running a 24-7 around-the-clock operation to count these mail-in ballots. They have to take them out of the envelope, envelopes, plural. They've got to sort of flatten them out, and then they've got to you know, put them into the machines. And that takes time. And again, we're talking about, at this point, you know, more than 2.4 million of these mail-in ballots that are sitting in county election offices around Pennsylvania. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. Election officials will start reporting results after the first polls close tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern. That's all for today, Tuesday, November 3rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. 